recording? Okay. Okay. What what if a movie theater opened right now? What would you go see? Like of current movies that are playing? No, okay. <laughs> I had in my head that I was going to start like, this podcast um, today with Wonder like... Woman 84. I don't know. <laughs> um oh, like what movie I would want to see on the big screen. Yes. I think you know me and you know that I would love to see The Descent on a big screen. I would That would be so sexy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what would you choose? Oh my god. The birdcage? I feel like that's oh, yeah. the first thing that just came to my mind. And I would love to go to like an older theater and they just did like a midweek screening. Yeah. I love that you have like a weekly birdcage shout out moment in the podcast. At this point, it's becoming like my staple movie, which I never planned on it, but I'm very happy with that. It's on my Jordan apps bingo card. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> okay. Check that off. Next question. Mm. When the clubs reopen in 2023. Mm-hmm. What is the first song you want to hear? Oh, let's do Forever and Always piano version, Taylor's version. No, that's not me being serious. I would definitely do, I told um, our friend Tom this, but I actually really want to hear Stupid Love by Lady Gaga. Not because, obviously it came out before the pandemic, but I just associate it so much with like one of the last pre-pandemic good time uh, eras yeah yes and so I think yeah. that I'm always gonna remember like how life was before things went to shit with that song it, it was stupid love your life it was, yeah what, what that's what you? it was uh like this is uh it probably rain on me which I know is silly but I really want to not silly but like whatever mm-hmm. I really want to hear Dua Lipa's physical yes that would that would slap that's what I've been like craving to hear. And I need a proper justice night for the Pussycat Dolls react. That single was done dirty. And I think a lot of it was done dirty by like, I remember they did the performance. Uh, was it on the X Factor? I think so. Yeah. And the hype was real. And then we had to wait, I think like months. Seven months for the single to come out. It was out. not the best <laughs> campaign. And I have notes. But, you know. Well, Nicole's on the line. You can give them to her after oh, this. Oh, good. Yes. Our guest this week is actually Nicole Scherzinger. <laughs> um, can't wait for you guys to hear what she has to say. Josh, how are you doing? I'm good. It's the weekend. I'm feeling fine. I, you know, I just mentioned it before, but I've been listening to our our dear girl, Taylor Swift, all weekend. Are you coming out as a full-on Swifty on this podcast? Are we addressing this? I will say that I'm closer to a Swifty than I probably am uh, with other like Stan bases, but I don't think I'm delusional at the same time. That's so true. I do love the Evermore cardigan you're wearing right now. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's signed by Taylor. Paid $500 for it. I am um, going to say that like the re-release I'm coming out as a Swifty, I think yeah. <laughs> this episode. Yeah. It was just, I felt like a, like I was a teenager again. I rarely listened to Fearless like in the last 10 years. I did not touch it that much. But now here I am like bopping along being like, yes, 15. Yes. Yeah. And fall. Yes. I had the best day too. Like, you know, I'm just going through the motions with it. And I can't be, uh, I can't ask for anything more when it comes to music. My question for you, I was going to ask you is... Is there any other artists that you think you would like to see them kind of re-record and re-release their music? 
Oh my God. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. I know. I think it would be um, like my lazy answer is probably Kelly, just because um, my favorite album is my December, but I would really like mm-hmm. the production to be improved. Like now, I just think it would sound even better because mm-hmm. there's like stuff on fearless that I'm like, Oh, this just feels like a new song. Like it's the exact same thing, but it's just a lot. Uh, I don't know. It's a lot stronger in terms of its production obviously it's been a long time um I don't know I think her let's say Kelly probably I thought about that on my walk this morning I was like Kelly would be a great choice because I think so much of her like especially earlier stuff she was still kind of coming out of that like yeah your American Idol and then like my December as you said I would really love to hear that and just she's come so far in the last how many years has it been? Like 15 years since she won? Almost like, no, like 20. Oh my God. Yeah, I think. And then I would also love to hear like someone like Beyonce. I think mm-hmm. if she were to kind of re-release some of her earlier music, but without that lens of like early 2000s on it, I think yeah. it would be so interesting to me. Well, every it changes so much because like a lot of Kelly's recorded stuff when she performs live, like Walk Away is this is probably controversial. It's like not my favorite song, but like, the, like but I like it live. So when I've seen mm-hmm. her, I'm like, oh, I really like this. So let's make, let's do this all yeah. the time. And Miss Independent is a very different song live. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I like this a yeah. lot. I love Miss Independent, but it's also very 2002, which is where I have stopped growing mentally. So I'm <laughs> fine with that. <laughs> You're stunted. And I, I am. I think that um, yeah, she's going to Vegas too. So I think it's the perfect opportunity for her to release oh yeah. an album of re-records. <laughs> we are coming off of a great episode with our dear friend, Chris Hanna. Um, and we have a very special guest coming up shortly on this podcast, which we'll announce in a second. Um, but we just want to talk very quickly about Drag Race. Yes. Where are you? How do you feel? We have a full top four, final four. I mean, we both just finished watching the 49th episode of the season on Friday where no one was eliminated again. Surprise. Um, But you know what? Overall, I'm back on the team of firmly having enjoyed the season so far. And I think it's a wonderful top four just in that, like, I truly can't predict what will happen. I think that it could go to anyone. And I think that I like that going into a finale. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we're in the, we're, we might get a tie, which I'm very happy with. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not RuPaul, who clearly is very excited this whole season. Yeah. He was having fun. Like, and that's really all I want to see, you know, problematic fracking and all of that aside, when Rue has fun, I will have fun as well. We have fun. We have fun. I Um, think it's such a great top four. I love that song, Lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I've become obsessed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) L-U-C-K-Y. Stream it wherever you can stream music now. No, I think it's a... I'm excited to see the way it shakes out. I do think that, yeah, there's a good chance that it could be a tie, but also who knows what happens with, you know, these lip sync finales nowadays. I don't know if that's the format that they're going with, but I think that they are trying to film it in person again, as opposed to what they did last year. The finale finale? I think, yeah. Oh. There's like a theater in LA and someone posted how on the marquee it said like RuPaul's Drag Race grand finale. I don't think there's going to be like an audience, but I think the queens themselves are going to be. 
Listen, I'll take it. We're getting steps and steps closer to TV production being proper TV again. And whenever the women of The View back go back into that studio is the day I'll be happy again. It'll be a good day forever. It'll be a good day. It'll be a national <laughs> holiday. Speaking of holidays, that's a great romantic comedy. And today yeah. we have a wonderful guest with us. Mm-hmm. Her name is Sadaf. And we wanted someone to come on. And we're trying to do episodes where we just talk about random stuff we've watched in the week, but also more theme-specific stuff. So I was thinking this week we would talk about romantic comedies. And in my mind, the first name that came up was Miss Sadaf. Sadaf, hello. Hello. Hi, boys. How are you? Thank you for having me on, first of all. Thank you for clicking the Zoom link and showing up, because I think that that is the big thing here. Um, I mean, I'm good. Personally, I'm as good as the pandemic will allow me to be. How have you been? What's what's going on? What's your story? How am I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a question. Listen, I feel like a shut-in. <laughs> I feel like a cat lady. Minus the cats, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will say I'm half-vaxxed, so I can't, I can't be bitching too much, which is great, which is great. Um, uh, but I, I'm actually, I'm visiting my sister this weekend. She's in my bubble. She's in my bubble. Okay. But it's feeling very big, eaty, little, eaty. Like, they're still, like... <laughs> What's the age difference? It's just two years. It feels like a lot. <laughs> yeah, there was a time, like, early pandemic last year where I just turned to Sashin and I was like, this is becoming Great Gardens, like... It just like, I would like put on a wig and just sit on the couch and be like, get the tuna, you know? Like it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. I said it to her the other day and she was like, but I don't, I don't see the problem with that. And I was like, oh no, I think it's great. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way entirely. That's what my life is going to be. But okay, I'm all right. I'm as fine as one can be. Yes. Let's put it that way. And that's the important thing, I think. I think that's beautiful. I also think before we get into everything else, because we have much to talk about today, Sadaf is a fellow Summer House viewer. So we'll get to that. Um, but I just, I want to say this, and if I think we'll be fine to talk about it. But when we first met through our mutual friend, Chris Hanna, um, yes. We've followed each other on Instagram and your Instagram handle, if you don't mind me sharing. It's probably my favorite Instagram handle of someone ever. I will say that. Thank you guys. It's it's called at Canada Whore. And I had to sit there for a second and really digest it. And I don't know if it was Josh or Sashin who clicked into it being a reference to Laguna Beach or the Hills. Yeah. Someone. Right on. Can you explain it for us? (laughs) Okay. Listen, I think here's the thing. First of all, it's a litmus test because, which I didn't realize at the beginning, (laughs) but if you, if it like lodges in your brain and you remember it Mm -hmm. from way back when, then we are friends. We don't even need to talk. (laughs) Yep. But um, so let Sashin know because I think it was Sashin, but I, I, yeah. Okay. It goes all the way back to a conversation (laughs) Brody Jenner was having. Oh yeah. And he was just flipping through the contacts in his phone of like all of the one night stands. It was like his little back book. And he was like, oh, Britney Canada War. <laughs> I can't even forget it now. And for some reason it was like a passing thing, but it just stuck in my head and it became like a thing 
with my friends and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stick with that. But let me tell you, it's very tough if you have coworkers who are like, oh, what's your Instagram? (laughs) (laughs) Which became like a point of conversation with some very creepy old men um, at the last place I worked. But then also very awkward when you have someone you're dating who like just wants to exchange handles. It's like, this literally happened to me the other week. It was just like, yeah, it's not what you think. Maybe it is. I can't, I don't know how to justify that. If it is what you think, that's none of your business either. Yeah. And also more power to you. Who cares? But I I love a point of conversation. I also agree with what you said. If you understand it, like if you know, you know. And I think I did not know. And I was no. embarrassed for myself. And I was like, and also Sashin, who's like, uh, he's probably listening to this, like well-versed in TV and film, but not to like the larger extent, but to know that niche reference, I was just like. I'm so impressed. Like I was immediately erect. I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful to hear. And I was like, so I think I messaged you or Chris after. And I was like, just to confirm, is your handle a reference to X, Y, and Z? And you're like, "Uh uh-huh. I was like, perfect. Oh, 100%. I mean, listen, I'm so happy to educate. So happy. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is history. And I plan to keep it forever. I mean, as long as Instagram is around, I'll be walking around with that name. But. I, to do I hope you're 55 and it's still Canada whore. <laughs> Guys, you know what? I was kidding around the other day. I was like, I might have kidding around. I was like, I might get a Canada whore tattoo. Might as well just. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Honestly, I think it has to be done. Yeah, I'm gonna... it might be done. It won't be a tramp stamp. I can guarantee that. Well, you know what? Maybe it will. Think, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Like what's stopping us at this point? Truly, it'll be ironic. That's oh, what I'm going to say. God, you're the best. Um, well, again, just happy that you're here. And obviously, this is Loves It, a beautiful podcast where we just talk about what we're watching during the week. And I think a great place to start with you, kind of, because we've chatted throughout the pandemic, but not all the time. But I know you, like Josh and myself and many people, are very involved in TV and film and obsessively watching stuff. Because after the Marion Hagen inter- Hagen. Marion, oh my God, I'm not well. The Harry and Meghan interview with Oprah, I was on like, like an upper. I was so like, just like in terms of like watching something on TV in an event space like that, I was so excited. And I turned to Sashin and I was like, I need to text it F. This is the only other person besides a few other people who understand where I'm coming from in terms of like, this is TV. I'm still I mean, reeling with Marion Hagen. I'll, I'll just say that. <laughs> I thought that you were referencing someone. I had no idea who they were. And I was like, shit, I have to look at Marion Hagen now. But doesn't Hagen sound like a name that the yes, royal family Yeah, Like one of the cousins. Like, yeah, one of the cousins they keep on that piece of land over there. I would come out Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I mean, first of all, I think that could be a whole podcast episode because we had a great conversation just about, because I think there has so much to be said about what talk shows are today and what celebrity interviews are today. I could vent about it forever that was amazing I feel like I still have the high in my body I mean we're still talking about it it's still trending sometimes it's part of the reason Megan blew up all over again it was so good I felt like I had like a really great meal after I watched that and I even rewatched it later I mean who does that I mean this is the thing Oprah 4 p.m every weekday I was there and it was just even now, I mean, I still can watch reruns and it's just like a fucking injection. Oh, wait, can I say that? I'm- oh, yeah. 
<laughs> it's just an injection right in my veins. It's so delicious. But yeah, I mean, listen, one thing I will say about Kelly's show is she knows and she brings her own unique thing to it. It feels more like a variety show, which is why it works so well. But then you have Drew Barrymore. Listen, I love Drew. I love Drew. <laughs> but what is that show? What is that show? It's avant-garde. It's experimental. It's doing things that I don't think anybody could have predicted. Listen, she was walking around barefoot in New York the other day. Where is that energy on that show? That's what I want from Drew. You want a foot I, <laughs> I find it, like, I've watched bits and pieces of it. And at first I was completely like, I was like, no, I love Drew. But like, I don't, I don't need this there. And then I, when people were making like the edits and the clips were going around, I was like, wait, maybe I did need this show. Like, mm-hmm. it's so odd. And she, I don't know if she's made for daytime TV, but she kind of is on paper, but also isn't. And like, Josh has this vendetta against the set that hideous. she has. I think it's hideous. <laughs> really? It's so ugly. And I, I, it's just an assault on the visual senses for me where... I just see this, that kind of shade of yellow and these odd props everywhere. I don't know where I'm supposed to be situated. And there's also her in like the tiny chair looking at this ginormous screen, which is crazy to me. Anyway, talk shows aside, I just, yeah. What else are you watching besides uh, <laughs> Oprah's uh, Harry and Meghan interview? Well, I, listen, I could watch Oprah every day. She just does so much for me. Drew, I love you. I'm sorry. I cannot watch that show. It's a happiness explosion. I can't do happiness. It's 2021. <laughs> what else am I watching? You know what? I mean, this is also going back to being 2021. I don't have the patience anymore. And I'm someone who usually has like infinite patience, but I cannot do it anymore. It's all comfort. It's like, it's an only reality TV. It's the only thing I do. It's that it's sitcoms because they're 25 minutes. Love that for me. And then just every rom-com. I mean, listen, I do just like, I, that is my just number one go-to. And it's like, it's just been that so much of that. Um, so when yeah. you say reality TV, do you mean like, I know Summer House, you're a huge fan of as I am. And Josh started watching a few episodes of season yeah. three. I'm two episodes in. I know everything that you're going to be talking about. <laughs> okay, great. Great. Because, and I'm glad you skipped ahead because those yes. first couple seasons are. Mm. I, I told but- him and another friend of ours, Adam, like started three. Mm-hmm. And I think someone had told me that and I just kind of went with it and I was like, oh, this is perfect. And I've never gone back to watch one and two and I don't plan on doing that. Yeah. You don't need it. You don't need it. Um, but yeah, Summer House I love. I'm watching. I mean, listen, I've been watching every Housewives forever. I, But you know what I will say? One thing I have not. I was very slow with Salt Lake and I am never slow with a Housewives franchise, mm-hmm. which says everything. I don't know where you both stand on it, but I've just got to say it is not. It's not doing it. It's not doing it. Even with Jen Shaw's drama right now, it's not cutting it for me. I think. OK, so I watched it live I think Josh like live I watched it as it was airing and Josh I think you were like a few weeks mostly live like I would fall out here and there and I would catch up but as it was airing I was watching it just on my own pace I think we've discussed this either here before or elsewhere you know I think there's two things with Salt Lake City I think it came on and people were like wow this is a first time housewife season and it looks 
great and it has all the moving parts because if you go back to like Roni season one, it's like a paranormal activity movie. Like yeah. it's found footage and they found these women <laughs> and we just stumbled across like Bethany and night years, <laughs> years and years of friendships and Bethany, right? Like it was, it felt lived in, but it felt odd to watch because that was almost 15 years ago and the shape of reality was so different. And now you're watching Salt Lake and you're like, wow, that premiere. Yes, it was crazy for sure. But then you start to see like the Jen Shaw mechanics of it. And you're like, oh, you kind of studied the book a little too hard. And yeah, Meredith is choosing to never engage when that's literally the point of her job. Yeah. I mean, this is my thing. It's your job. <laughs> Give me the drama. Give me your life. Like, I just, I got, I have so many thoughts on Meredith and that voice, but like, I just, <laughs> the woman is a robot. I just, I, and listen, she's beautiful to look at, but if I can just put you on mute and there's no difference, mm-hmm. you're not giving me what I need. Thank it's you just- for saying that. I feel like that's where Summer House is like excelling and I need people to watch it because the cast is doing their job. Everyone is participating. Lindsay Hubbard is a future housewife in the making. Oh, Jordan. Which one I'm is sorry. Lindsay? Sorry. Which one the is blah, very, the blah, very, the loudest one with the very sharp okay. blonde, okay. almost white hair. <laughs> yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. She's very aggressive in terms of like her personality and me watching it. I've mentioned this before. I was like, oh, it's nice to finally see myself on screen. She's just a lot. And I was like, I love this. This is perfect. But the cast, yeah. How do you feel? Oh, God. Okay, well, I'm glad you mentioned Lindsay. Lindsay is my top, 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 top. I mean, God. Uh, she's she is, she is a top. She is a top. <laughs> she reeks of top energy. <laughs> she's great. Um, she's, she's fucking crazy and she's so aggressive. But I mean, God, what a personality. I just... Oh, I love her. She's such a mess. Um, what did she say? She said a couple of weeks ago, I kept repeating, I'm 34. I'm not not going to have a baby. And I just feel like that, that line is pure gold. <laughs> like Nora Ephron could have written that line. You know what I mean? It's great. It's terrifying because I'm 31. But like, I mean, I love to hear it. She's amazing. Paige is great. Love Paige. She's hilarious. Um, and I, you know what? I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I also really love Kyle. Uh, I, the, go, 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 go. <laughs> I've never been, you will never ever catch me saying that I am a fan of a straight Aryan white man. <laughs> you know, it's never going to happen. <laughs> for some reason, he just really does it for me. I mean, he's a mess. He's like a frat boy, but Jurgo. I could feel completely the same. I, okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I feel <laughs> when I watched the show, like Carl is not really my type, but I am so immensely aroused. And then like Kyle is not my type at all, which is what you just described. Like fratty, very white, like just like douche college guy at the same time. <laughs> I find him so attractive and I don't know what it is. It might've been the college experience I never had. And I was like, yes, I want that bro who like would look at me and be like, listen, my girlfriend, she's going to sleep. I'll come over to your place. This is getting inappropriate, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And he also cries every other episode. 
you know what? That's also not something I would say that I typically love in my men, but I got, I mean, I love it from Kyle. It's great. And it's authentic. And you know what else I'm saying? Speaking of reality TV, he's just so funny. And that's the thing with reality. I mean, especially now, I mean, you guys know, like every Real Housewives franchise, I mean, Atlanta's killing it because Portia's a comedian. I mean, she's Lucille Ball. <laughs> she really <laughs> is. She's so funny. Yeah, and Kyle is just so fucking funny. I can't get over it. Um, how do we feel about Hannah Burner? That's what I want your thoughts on. Okay, Ooh. so Hannah, um, I mean, she has a podcast, so I, I don't want to compete. But I just, I find her to be a captivating energy on my screen that I am watching. I don't enjoy her in a, the way I also enjoy Paige, who I find immensely watchable and entertaining. But like you said, from a reality TV personality, mm-hmm. she brings what I need her to bring to the show because she starts a lot of the ruckus in the house, especially this season. I do think this season she's like completely on another planet, like entirely. And I do think her and Luke gaslight each other. I think Luke is a fucking mess. You haven't met Luke yet, Josh. He's not in season okay. three, I don't think. But he just, I don't know. She's just like a lot. And I, I appreciate a complicated, messy woman on my screen. So I love seeing that. And I think it's important. I just think she is kind of like just completely unique in her reality TV character. I think, yeah, that is the perfect breakdown. And also, let's be real. Even if she's a terrible person, I mean, God, she is producing that show hard. Yeah. And I'm here for it. It's so much drama. We need terrible people on TV sometimes. We do. Okay, wait, though, Josh, I'm curious what you think of Summer House having just come into it in season three. So and only a bit. my, I initially was introduced to Hannah Burner through watching a little bit of, um, is it the Bravo chat room? That kind of like four host series that they have. And I didn't really think that much about her in the episodes that I watched of that. But at least I knew who she was going into season three. Um, I'm only a few episodes in, but I, it's, like Jordan said, it's very easy to be interested in from the very beginning and not be confused. And there's no one who I yet have looked at and thought like, oh, that's me. Or like, that's my favorite yet. I have to ask, was Kyle the one who sent the 17 page email or was that? Yes, it was. I'm interested in that little storyline because right now he is currently dating the one girl and then there's tension but Amanda yeah Amanda yeah. Batula did they break up I feel like they're gonna break up no they're still no. together and it's almost like so endearing in their relationship I love it I don't know if you feel the same Sadaf oh my god I'm obsessed yeah. I'm so in love with the two also I love her by the way I just think they're such a great couple. she is a beautiful piece of wallpaper that I love to Ooh. watch who is yeah. dull but just a, a palate cleanser between all the other personalities you need that in that house do they ever move to a nicer summer house oh yes they do okay Okay. So this current season, I've said this before, it op- it's operating like Big Brother. So they put them in like something that's basically, I would say, double the size of the former house. And the producer said, good luck, lock the door. And then they left. And now it's like, it's it's having its, its season, which I'm arguing it's like the season that will define the show of like, watch this because this is the season that's like really great. Like uh, Vanderpump Rules, like somewhere it's like two to five. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Roni season seven, I've said it before. Like those kind of seasons. I love that. 
Yeah. It is not good. It's, you know what? It does, that's such a good comparison because it reminds me of VPR when it was so good. That really flamed out. (laughs) But the thing with VPR is it was situational and also they were all bad people. At least on Summer House, they are mostly all good. And you, even if you don't like them, you don't hate them. Because you're like, oh, you're being annoying, but you're not like vicious. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, wait, though. I have a question for both of you guys. So one thing with Summer House that I love this season is because it's COVID, they just have them in there for like a few months straight and they don't go home during the week like they used to. But so that works for me. I kind of love that. Like I even like watching them. I love watching Danielle, who doesn't really do much, just work at her desk during the day. That's all she does. But I even like watching that. But with all the other Real Housewives, and I feel like Jersey and Atlanta are kind of the worst at it right now. It's COVID. You forget it's COVID. They're wearing those terrible face shields, which I just fucking hate. (laughs) There was a moment in um, this week's Jersey where Joe Gorga is just like, let's all get in together. Let's get real tight. And it's like 80 people. And I was like, oh. I just want them to say to me, because Jersey, I think what you maybe meant was like, Jersey, I forget that there's COVID because like it's ignored almost, which is not fine, but I'm aware I'm watching a TV show. So then when you're wearing your mask in the house, but you won't wear it in the car, like Atlanta's doing this weird thing where they're all wearing it in such, or Dallas Dallas this week was so crazy where they were wearing their masks in terms of like what we know to be where you should wear them. I just want before every episode of these current COVID seasons, they just say the entire cast and crew has been tested and confirmed uh, fine to participate and they're okay. Yeah. And that's exactly why I liked that one moment in early season Dallas when I think Stephanie went over to Brandy's place and they hugged. And then the, the producer asked in like an interview, like, okay, so you guys were hugging. Like, what's that, what's that all about? And Steph was just like, listen, we're on a TV show. We're all getting tested. Like, what else do you want me to say, essentially? Like, I get it for the optics and they should do that as a responsibility. Totally mm-hmm. 100%. But if like in terms of like when and where they're wearing it, it's almost worse because it seems yeah. irresponsible. Like there's a was a scene in Jersey a few weeks ago where Teresa was walking to the to the table at an outdoor restaurant and like holding the mask like just in front of her face, holding it. And I was like, I'm not a physician, but I don't think that's the rule. What is this doing? Exactly. <laughs> not a woman though who I feel like understands why she has to wear a mask believes in the pandemic mm-hmm. would even be wearing one if there were no camera exactly. 100% fully <laughs> I'm surprised Teresa hasn't had COVID has she had COVID I'm not sure no I think, I think Ramona Singer has had it about 55 times <laughs> not talking and then zero at this point it's kind of I'm glad you brought that up because very quickly like brand they're filming the Dallas reunion this mm. week or they did mm-hmm. and Carrie Miss situation and Brandy were sitting beside each other on the plane and Carrie got COVID on the had COVID or whatever. So they are filming virtually for the reunion while all the other girls are in the studio. Yeah, that's a situation. <laughs> it is. But it's also so Carrie too. This is the thing. It's always so appropriate for whoever it is. I'm not, I'm not shocked. Yeah. Like if you were gonna tell me two people were gonna get COVID and film virtually on the plane. Carrie and Brandy make complete sense. <laughs> I mean, Deandra already had it, right? Like Deandra was fully in the hospital with it too. So stay away from me, COVID girl. That no, no that was... on nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh, yes. I love it. And Dallas, by the way, can I just say, has been really asleep. Like, uh, uh, it's not doing it for me. I'll let Josh take this because he's more of a Dallas head than me. I think that it's been, when it's been good this season, I think it's been good. When it's been bad this season, it's not been good at all. I think that there are parts of it that I think really do work. Like Tiffany really works. I think that Cameron will always be watchable to me. I think Deandra has really stepped up as a potential like main player for the city. Um, and Carrie, as much as people give her grief, she she does her job. So I think that the working parts are there, but they just need to tinker with it a little bit more for me. Yeah. I think I that's think- true. I think they need half a cast overhaul. I think Tiffany needs to be center diamond. We kind of circle more around Tiffany or we give Tiffany a separate show because it's not blending together. It's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. That's not really working. I need Brandy off my television. I have said that before. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a weird season. Like Josh said earlier in the season, I was like, yes, this is fun. I am having fun and I am no longer having fun. Mm Mm-hmm. And those are my thoughts. Fun. No, no fun has had. <laughs> I'm on that. I just, I want to be laughing, you know? And I also, I love the inclusion of Tiffany. She's amazing. She's so great. She needs her own show though. This is one thing I'll say. I mean, I love that Bravo is pushing for diversity, but there's no denying. I mean, anytime you have even a slightly tanner woman come on these shows, yeah. <laughs> she gets cornered, <laughs> just pushed into a corner. Somehow Jennifer Aiden has kind of outlasted it. Who, by the way, can I just say, I love, I mean, she's a shit love. show, but I love. Love, love. Yeah, I'm terrified with Brony because we're gonna finally have a black housewife. How the hell is that gonna work though? Ramona Singer will finally be put in her place. I think, hopefully. Yeah. I, I, yeah I think it's interesting when it's included but it's not it's the point of inclusion was because of the backlash the Bravo had received but like you can't put Tiffany in there by herself because it's a lot of like her versus everybody else and they're unaware of why it's not okay Mm -hmm. exactly 100% well that was our Bravo discussion and we will move on to romantic comedies in a second Let's talk romantic comedies. Yay. Okay, so Sadaf, before we get into what we watched, Sadaf, I fancy you, and I think you fancy yourself an expert. A little bit. Where did did it start for you? Like, what was the first rom-com you watched that was like, fuck, this is my shit? Oh, I love that question. And it's going to be really cliche for anybody who knows me because I am a massive Nora Ephron fan. But it started with Nora. That's the thing. And I... I mean, listen, I was watching Sex in the City when I was like 12. Like I was watching Nip Tuck at 13. <laughs> was all that stuff when I was yeah. way too young. And I don't, I don't even remember how old I must have been, but it was like around that, maybe even younger. And I watched Sleepless in Seattle. That was the first one. And I was just like in. And then I think like I didn't kind of get that I was really into Tom Hanks. Like I just didn't. <laughs> Some processing. <laughs> I was like, what? I forgot. Okay. Yeah. Just a quick note. If, if you don't follow Sadaf or you don't know, she is, and pardon my French, completely horny for Tom Hanks. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, that's not even, yeah, you're not even doing it justice. It's an obsession. 
For me to be that involved uh, with a white man, I just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just unhinged. But I mean, listen, I was obsessed with Toy Story as a very small child. I don't think I knew what was happening to me in my brain as that I was in love with those cartoons. I had a crush on Woody, who is a doll. Oh, same. <laughs> Fully same. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think it was some kind of thing, like his voice was just programmed into my brain. So I watched Sleepless and I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. There you are. Just, yeah, and I was feeling things. So it was Tom and it was Nora and then it was Meg Ryan because Meg Ryan is Meg Ryan. There is no other Meg. I mean, speaking of like, you guys were talking about Julia Roberts last week. I think she's up there. Like she's just a star and so like I watched everything she did I watched everything Tom did I watched everything Nora did then I got into Nancy Myers. I got into that whole world I loved his girl Friday loved the apartment like I just kind of went all over the place like this is my genre this is it well there's so many it's such a specific genre it reminds me like it's very much of like pop music but for film and I think it's scoffed at sometimes but the mechanics of it are so specific and when it works it's Mm -hmm. unmatched and timeless and when it doesn't it's a complete disaster but also oddly watchable if even if it's bad bad like not completely terrible but like one of the movies I watched this week was Bewitched the 2005 like rom-com tv remake the meta in-world bullshit it's bad. I love it. It's so bad. Is it bad? <laughs> is it Listen, bad? for me, it's not bad. Anytime Nicole plays a witch, like that's automatically five stars. But then I think like Will Ferrell trying to become a rom-com leading man in this moment was mm-hmm. such an odd career pivot. And like you were saying, like last week, Julia, yes, iconic, incredible. But her mechanics of rom-com is so different than Meg Ryan, who's like, it's, I'm not gonna, this is such a lazy comparison, but it's like a Brittany Christina thing, right? They're two different people doing the same thing Mm -hmm. for the same audience, but you're collecting different kind of fan bases for the most part. And I think Meg was like a whisper rom-com queen that like really embodied the ingenue and the like early turn of like the feminist uh, rom-com era in their like late 80s early 90s um you mentioned sleepless for me it's forever and always you've got mail which is just the most like insane movie but so beautiful i'm so glad you mentioned it because you've got mail is my number one like i i will i will literally die for that movie literally I that's my number one 100 I mean that's just here's the thing that I think well first of all let me just go back and say Jordan you're absolutely wrong Bewitched is legitimately great this is not bad it's legitimately amazing even though Will okay. romancing Nicole Kidman I just don't know how she brought herself to that I feel for her Whew. method 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 actress <laughs> I mean, but here's one thing I will say I think Nora Ephron is just so good at kind of pulling the charm in I think charm is the key thing with rom-coms mm-hmm. that's what that genre lives and dies on like you've got to have that Tom Hanks has so much of it Julia has so much of it Meg does they all do even Nicole does Will Ferrell's is kind of like manufactured I think that's why his doesn't really work Queen Latifah <sighs> there's like a warmth that comes out of these 
people, hopefully, if it's done yeah. well. And I'm not saying that Nicole well, isn't warm because she is in her own way, but I think that it doesn't translate as uh, easily or as digestible as it does with like Meg or Julia. I agree because Nicole is so warm in Practical Magic, mm-hmm. but in Bewitched, she was in that odd post-Oscar career moment and the pivot was like we can do broad blockbuster stuff like for me the Stepford Wives is like beautiful and insane and I think completely underrated and such a camp like it's so good and we'll get its due in a few more years I think it's coming but like I agree with what you're saying because in Practical Magic which is 17 genres in one also operates as a rom-com her and Sandra are both incredibly warm and to match Sandra's rom-com rom-com warmth is really hard I would think yeah you can't do it and I just I want to see Nicole with the straight red hair again long straight red hair and I think it'll just pour out of her you know I mean we got close with Big Little Lies that was fairly red-ish fairly straight-ish the wig was right (laughs) oh my god it was like the exact opposite of the genre we want listen I love Big Little Lies though let me just say like good lord (laughs) I don't want to see her crying in every other. No, yeah. I want to see her play a bitch. I think that's the other thing. We don't get to see Nicole do that as much these days, do we? We uh, we, we kind of, uh, she's not a bitch in, in Stoker, but I think oh, Stoker, Stoker is where she plays the yeah. villain, kind of. She's great in that. He's uh, so good. I It's one I've been meaning to revisit for a while now. Um, it's, it's, we've come off rom-coms and we are now into Nicole This is a Nicole career. Kidman, yeah podcast um josh watched something this week that triggered me to rewatch it as well yeah um so i think like it's hard for me to really come up with a rom-com that i hold like as close as the movies that you two were just mentioning but i think for me looking back at specifically the 90s and the world of rom-coms there's one movie that really stands out and it's 10 things i hate about you it's I'm just so tied to like a memory of me and my family renting it from the video store and bringing it back and watching it all together. And I think that I was so curious to see how it holds up in today's modern world because I haven't really watched it in years, but what a cast and what a movie. I had so much fun. I like I had the time of my life watching it again. And I think there's some script issues and there's like really cliche nineties, like, odd jokes that don't really land anymore obviously because they've aged but I didn't really realize that the entire cast right down to the most supporting character is operating at 100 Mm percent every performance in that movie Julia Stiles is like the craziest kind of movie star to me because it's like a piece of bread that should not have been toasted but she was and she became a movie star the whole time I was watching it like this past week I was watching her and I was like, I don't know if I think she's fantastic in this or if I think she's miscast in this. I have no idea where I fall. I feel like that is the question I have anytime I watch her in anything. <laughs> she's, she's a dancer. She is an I anarchist. Hop she hops. Like these roles. When they cast her in the Bourne franchise. Oh, yeah. I was like, you know, who's not an action movie star in the la- in the slightest? Mrs. Styles. She's so unmemorable. I, I don't want this to be <laughs> on Julia Styles. <laughs> no, thing. but 
there is something of yeah. her. There is mm-hmm. something. I don't know what it is. It might even just be the nostalgia factor. <laughs> but maybe it's this, because this is one thing I love about that movie. And I think the last time I watched it was last summer, but there's no like glitz to it. It's like, it's not polished. And mm. I love that. Like you do feel like it's so high school. What the hell is Heath Ledger wearing half the time? He doesn't even brush his hair once. And I love that. <laughs> and her too. I mean, they're all just kind of scrappy and it's, I don't want to say it's realistic, but there's something to it. And then there's also his, um, the moment he breaks into song, which I need a moment like that in all of my rom-coms and we don't get that anymore. And I love that. It's such an odd movie because like you said, it's, there's no frills to it. It's not really glitzy. The leads aren't, they're both beautiful people, but obviously like they're not done up to the point of like, romantic comedy standards and this was also like I think a few years after Clueless which is another Shakespeare adaptation and was completely uh, Clueless is amazing but it's like candy right yeah. and then like 10 things I hate about you is like a veggie chip like it's mm. so <laughs> odd in its yeah. in its flavor and its appeal but I think it comes back to like what makes rom-coms at the end of the day and who are all the people that we've mentioned? They're all the leading ladies. And it's the, they are the actresses who have driven this friend, this kind of genre to its heights and its lowest of lows. And speaking of that, I watched Sweet Home Alabama for oh. the first time this week. Oh, my gosh. What an odd, odd, bad <laughs> movie. It's so bad. It's really interesting. I had a friend who actually watched it recently. And just kept like live texted me and it was just confusion. confusion. <laughs> I was like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, it was pre-Oscar for Reese. Yeah. And was- I love just like it was 2002, okay, three, I, thought, I think. Yeah, I figured. And Walk the Line was 2005, if I'm correct. And um, she had that weird flippy 2000 hair, 2002 haircut that bothered me. Just that alone, I was irritated watching the movie. But I loved Reese's bob. <laughs> it would bounce as she oh, walked yes. down the street. <laughs> well, I was watching it though. And I was like, one, I'm frustrated with this movie because it's bad in so many ways. And also it's so interesting because it's also pre Grey's Anatomy, Patrick Dempsey, but he plays the second tier leading man. Okay, and I was yeah. like, what an oddity here. But also it's a movie that oh, I think it made over a hundred million dollars at the box office. And that alone is because of race. Yeah. Like that's fully because of race. Her, the poster is her giant face mm-hmm. zoomed in on with the flippy hair. <laughs> it's I remember the I, poster. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that, that one. Yeah. Yeah, she's one of those key rom-com women. But you know, there is something to be said. I just like, I want to read a whole piece on this or something, but for all the rom-coms where there's the man who gets left behind, but he didn't really do anything bad. Cause you know, they've always got that other guy, but then he fucks up somehow. So there's a reason we start to hate him. But in this, if I remember right, I don't think Patrick Dempsey really fucks up. He's just kind of, she just sort of has to kind of let him go. There's a few other movies like that. (laughs) It's just like, oh, that's a little, awkward but I kind of love it it's also weird yeah it's very weird and it operates under this like conservative kind of lens Mm because like Reese is I think playing a full Republican which sure and I was like not a stretch just kidding but I was like okay 
what it, what am I being drawn into here? Because she's coming off of Legally Blonde at the time and then mm-hmm. would go right into um, Just Like Heaven yes. and all those other like missteps. Um, it's just an interesting movie to watch in terms of like the time of when it came out. And I also texted Chris, Hannah, and I was like, this, I don't remember her being on Oprah, but this feels like a movie that was on Oprah on like Thursday before its weekend mm-hmm. debut at the box office. And like Oprah was like, Reese, this movie wowie it's a it's a gem (laughs) it is so true I don't know but you know what you just mentioned just like heaven and I'm like wow because that's even more of a question mark to me how the hell did that movie happen and by the way another I think we need to take a minute just for the men who were amazing rom-com boys and have since graduated into being like HBO whatever the hell we've got Mark Ruffalo Matthew McConaughey who listen I think that was that was the time. I miss him doing the rom-coms, leaning against his women in movie posters. Oh. That was everything for me. Kate Hudson. <laughs> yes. Like all of SJP. that magic. Yeah, I just, I got through, I just, we're on season four of Sex and the City right now, which speaking of rom-coms, the ultimate rom-com, but he was in it in season three when they go to LA for those two episodes. And I was watching it and I go, you know who I don't miss at all? is McConaughey and also like the rom-coms now have changed so much in the last 10 years it's a genre that kind of like fell aside and where does the movie star then play into that now especially yeah. I was gonna actually bring that up next just like the current state of rom-coms and like what the last like purely great example of a rom-com was that you saw and I can't really I mean, for me, maybe it's Bridesmaids, but even then I wouldn't technically classify Bridesmaids as a rom-com because I don't know, I think it's more about friendship than it is about the love story between Kristen Wiig and the the cop. That's so true. You know, this is the thing that breaks my heart so much because first of all, you guys brought it up earlier, but rom-coms don't get the credit they deserve. They kind of get written off as like, and I hate this term too, but chiclet, which is such bullshit. I could go mm. off on that. But um, yeah, and then the other thing is they're just not good anymore. Let's be honest, they're just not good anymore. I don't get it. I don't know if it's the fact that those creators are just not around anymore because Nancy Myers can still knock out something that still takes me back. The Intern is a great movie, let me just say. Um, it is, it is. But I have a hard time believing anybody's going to give us anything else. And I been counting on Kristen Wiig and I love Barb Star so much. <laughs> I really want to, I want her to give us another rom-com in the vein of Bridesmaids. I mm-hmm. need it. I think like what Josh said is like Bridesmaids technically is a rom-com on paper, but it is, the rom-com has now switched into something else, which is like, it's romantic and it's comedic, but the romance is always like work or friendship now, which I think is great. Cause I would classify late night that Mindy Mm. movie with Mm. Emma Thompson as kind of like a, it's not a rom-com, but it has all the mechanics of that. And Mindy being such a rom-com fan, obviously kind of worked with that for the movie. I think she wrote it if I'm, I could be completely wrong, but it's not a romantic comedy at all, but we've kind of lost our way in terms of like love and romance in film and what that even looks like anymore because I love like Barb and Star is technically a romantic comedy between two friends yeah 
Yeah, that's true, actually. And I mean, bridesmaids too, right? It really is just about friendship. But that's the other thing. I was going to say this earlier, because you kind of hit out on already, Jordan, but just ensembles are what makes such a good rom-com. Totally. Right? Like Judy Greer in a supporting role as a friend. And like, you know that the movie is going to be great. Catherine Hahn, give me some more Catherine. Well, I always want Catherine Hahn. I mean, God, but. Well, Catherine was doing an interview recently where she said that her and Judy did a made a joke where they wanted to do a romantic comedy but it's just about the characters of them in the background of romantic comedies being the best friends and I was like I need that immediately I think that's hilarious I would die with Kate Hudson running around in the background (laughs) I just I would love to see that But yeah, no, I am so with you on that. And I think the other thing is, if there's a rom-com that just has a really solid dramatic through line, which doesn't happen anymore, like it's just joke, joke, joke now. And it's just nothing really kind of lands right. Like, Mm -hmm. do we consider Moonstruck a rom-com? I think it is in some ways. It's hard to say. Yeah. but I think it is. I I think it's a rom-com drama. Rom com drama. I like the drama. I love the drama. But I, yeah. but I, or even like Bridget Jones, which, by the way, we've got to talk Bridget Jones because that's just, whew. Well, thank you for bringing that up. This week on our Instagram, I posted a question in the story. And also, if you're not following it, please follow Loves It Podcast on Instagram. So I put in our story just a sticker of like, what's your favorite romantic comedy? Let us know, just because I wanted to gauge. And obviously, all the answers are kind of the same. I will read some while we're here. Um, my favorite is from Joshua's mother. Yes. Who said pretty woman. Fair. <laughs> taste. <laughs> taste. That's such good taste. Yeah. Joan Smith said you're all flops and I have taste. I you was don't. raised well. <laughs> <laughs> really? And no. then <laughs> we also got uh, Bridget, Bridget Jones's diary, but the sequels are cursed, which I completely agree with. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, but that was the after effect of like rom coms trying to recapture that magic. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. Bridget Jones again, two thousand and one, like it was all happening in that kind of post Julia and Meg moment, kind of where we everybody wanted, as Nicki Minaj said once, like. You're telling me somebody doesn't want another Nicki Minaj? Somebody doesn't want another Julia Roberts? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not well today. I'm going off on tangents. Also, somebody else said, um, Sarah Gahari, our dear friend, said the wedding date with Deborah Messing, which. (laughs) (laughs) That's a deep cut. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably the deepest cut cut what you could make in a poll like that. (laughs) I I, think, listen, justice for the wedding date. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I agree. I think I need to revisit it and see what that looks like in my eyes. Um, Our other dear friend, Sarah Lowe, said when Harry met Sally, of course, we got Moonstruck, which I think obviously people consider a rom-com, Sleepless in Seattle. Um, My boyfriend said Goofy movie, which we'll ignore. And then Chris Hanna Hanna said Gone Girl, which if Anne Hathaway's ever been right, she's very right when we said it's a rom-com. Yeah. Listen, it is because it has all the elements. It has them. Ben Affleck makes me laugh through that entire movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, good. It's actually, it's a comedy. It is a comedy. Listen, if we break down the ingredients, that's what I'm telling you. There Mm -hmm. it is. It's, It's perfect. And it has the ensemble too. Casey Wilson is in Gone Girl. How did that happen? A true supporting player, if ever there was one. So good. 
that's okay so me and josh will often just send that gif of them on the couch like talking to each other with the glasses of wine and i'm like one that's us two the casting of casey in that role i think is so fucking underrated Mm -hmm. and so smart it's just so smart can i just say something i think that she could be our next big rom-com heroine if she were just given the right resources the tools it could be her but i do not want to see her for the rest of my life stuck in supporting she's a great supporting member by the way and i love supporting actors and actresses but she could do so much yeah the potential is there i will die on i agree no i listen i'm a casey stan and i i said last week happy endings is one of my go-to like rewatch shows and which is also a a flip sort of on the romantic comedy because it the pilot is the wedding of uh, Alex and Dave and it falling apart. And then the friend again, but it surrounds itself with the friendships. Mm-hmm. But um, I also posted last holiday on our Instagram, which I think is a flawless romantic comedy. But even then it's about Queen Latifah's character finding herself and mm-hmm. like falling in love with herself again. Um, I do want to bring this up because I do want your opinion on this, Sadaf, but also you, Josh, how did we feel at like, so I mentioned the post Julianne Meg of it all. So there were other girls in the mix. There was Reese. There was Kate, who I think had one good movie, and we all thought we could make more romantic yep. comedies with her. There was Jennifer Aniston, who I think will never get enough credit for really putting in the fucking work with that genre. Mm-hmm. And that's my question. Sadaf, how do you feel? <laughs> my answer is yes. <laughs> Thank, you. I, Thank you. I mean, listen, okay, I... I don't know if we've talked about this before, but the breakup I think is legendary. And I think Jennifer Aniston is amazing in it. Um, Jennifer Mm -hmm. Aniston, Jennifer Aniston. (laughs) I mean, she's so good. And she's one of those people who I think is like the movie stars of before in rom-coms. She just has it. And she has this charm that you cannot replicate. And yet she's stuck in the morning show, which I despise, but that's a whole other thing. So I won't get into it. <laughs> which she's also great in, by the way, because she's good at everything. But she should be doing comedy. That's where she belongs. I'm sorry. She's so great. And But yeah, there were all those other women who were kind of lost, all these beautiful blondes who I just love. And I want to see them kind of just keep doing it. But I feel like the thing that always kind of became the thing was like you got to leave rom-coms behind go do dramas go to hbo like why i mean i love that too but i want some women who are dedicated jennifer garner i mean i she's almost there she's lost in kids movies and christian movies right now and that uh what was it called peppermint where she played an assassin or something like that such a bizarre movie Um, i'm just I, i like it comes back to it being treated not seriously so then when an actress succeeds in it or is stuck in it for lack of a better term even though I don't think they get stuck it's like no but we want to see you actually act so please put on a wig uh, put on a fake nose or some scars on your face and then that I can see as a performance but I said this on our first episode of this podcast the breakup I had watched rewatched at the time and I said no 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 that is are inarguably one of her best performances but it'll never be looked at as such and i think the same can be said for many an actress in many a rom-com that are not given their due i would like i want to give a shout out to katherine heigl specifically just because not only was she in like 27 dresses which i found to be pretty like charming when i watched it originally but also 
and maybe this speaks to more movies, but like Judd Apatow's Knocked Up, I thought she was fantastic in Knocked Up. And if we're going into like the Apatow of it all, there's also like 40 year old virgin, there's that Amy Schumer one. So it's like, he's tried to kind of put his own spin on the romantic comedy. And in a lot of ways, I find that they work. Like Leslie Mann, I think is one of my favorite actresses in the game right now. And so whenever she shows up in one of those movies, sold. But Katherine Heigl specifically. Uh, I, I love that you brought her up, Josh, because I feel like I'm a Katherine Heigl historian and I mostly accidentally. <laughs> I'm such a big fan of hers because I just think she's fucking amazing and she's never really gotten the due. Um, and I'm just so tired of the whole, we need her to, she's been apologizing for a decade. Let's move on, you know? And I, here's, I, I'm obsessed with 27 dresses. I think it's such a solid rom-com. I also really, really love Life As We Know It, which I think I watch maybe every six months. Is that what Lisa Kudrow, is that the movie with, uh, where Lisa has like a supporting role? No, this is the one with Josh Duhamel where they have a baby together, not have a baby, but they adopt a child together. Yes, that's right. Jordan is probably <laughs> sorry. I just have never heard anybody's like stand life as we know it, so I'm a little put back. I fully saw it in theaters opening weekend, so I'm with you on that journey. Well, I've seen like listen when they open back up, I'll be there every day, but I agree with Catherine because I think she was our last actual mm-hmm. bona fide, solidified. In addition to Queen Latifah at that time, the two of them were the only people churning out actual romantic comedies. Queen gave us Just Right, uh, Last Holiday, a bunch of other stuff. Catherine gave us 27 Dresses, Life as We Know It. Um, Grey's Anatomy. And then it got a little weird with like Grey's Anatomy, really. Killers, which is not a good movie. But that's what happens when they then get stuck in that, stuck again, but into that genre. But Catherine did it so well. So did Queen, like, but they didn't get the flowers for it, which I find fascinating. And now Catherine Heigl has been on, like you said, a 10-year apologetic press tour it's so for dumb. being... We owe her an apology at this point, honestly. Because she was, she had this great string going. And by the way, like 27 Dresses, Life as We Know It, they killed at the box office. People mm-hmm. liked it. We ate it up. And then we decided we don't want her anymore. Now it just died with her. Like, Did it all end with Catherine Heigl? I don't know if we've solved this now, but I think it might have. It's just devastating. I think it ended with Sarah Jessica Parker and Failure to Launch. I think that was a failure to launch. <laughs> Although I low-key, lo- I low-key love it. Profit but title. For sure. And I think Sex in the City is the ultimate romantic comedy. And coming out of that, I think studios were like, okay, how do we how do we translate that? And it doesn't often work. And that's why I think Jennifer Aniston doesn't really get the credit for it because she came off of Friends. And yes, not everything was an absolute smash, but it wasn't. I think there was this weird narrative that was given to her at the time because like Angelina Jolie was such a superstar at the yeah. box office. But it was all like one-off franchise kind of stuff that did mostly well. But when you took Angelina and put her in something else, it didn't really translate where Jen was always kind of like, you showed up regardless for the most part. Like I, there's a movie she did called The Switch with Jason Bateman, which I think is completely underrated and so endearingly 
so sweet. It's such a sweet romantic comedy. Sadaf, you made a face. I think you love it too. <laughs> you, I just, I'm sweating. I, the switch, I'm deeply obsessed. I watch that one probably every couple of months. I just think it's so perfect. It's another good example of Jennifer Aniston just killing it. And Jason Bateman is also like unexpectedly kind of a great rom-com co-star. And I just think he's adorable, but he's so great. It's just so good. And it's just, you know, it makes you feel good. And Mm -hmm. it also kind of has those sentimental aspects that I, as we're talking, I'm like, that's in all of the ones we love. Like it gets a little corny at some point, but not in a way where you want to take a shower. Like it's just good. (laughs) I don't think a lot of movies tap into that now. And I find it really sad. And I do want to say Queen Latifah, amazing. She did not get to have more rom-coms. And I think that is her equalizer. Fine, let's do it. But like, I just want to see her do that all over again. I mean, she just killed it. And her with Common and I just, even um, LL Cool J, like somehow it just worked. We don't talk enough about two of the biggest rappers in a rom-com matched as the leads is so iconic. Like it's just like the recipe I want. And speaking of recipes, Emeril Lagasse has a full cameo in that movie. It's insane. It's a beautiful film. I watch four times a year. <laughs> it's so great. I, the other thing I want to say though, just touching on what you just said, Jordan, about um, Sex in the City. Sex in the City is like ultimate rom-com. I still love it, even though a lot of it does not hold up, I admit. But um, Younger, Younger is so great. I don't know if you're both on it, but it's just like, I think it kind of captures a bit of that rom-com magic. It's younger I have heard of it. I Yeah, I've watched the first few seasons and I liked it. I just never stuck with it. I think I'm an old lady in that sense where I'm like, I have my sex in the city and I have my girls and that's enough yeah. for me. I get it. I get it. I don't even blame you. For- <laughs> um, I do um, want to say before we go, uh, I forgot that literally, I think it was six or seven years ago in my the place that I work, some random person decided to email, I forgot who it was in the office, but they emailed without being asked their fan script for you've got mail too. they wrote a full sequel treatment and they just sent the script to the office being like, take this and please get it in the hands of someone who can do something with it. Obviously we did not put it in the hands of someone who could do something with it, but we did print it. I'm sorry. It was a waste of paper, but literally like the stack was about as thick as like, I'm referencing an old phone book, even though it's very dated, but that's how long this script was. And I want to make it my mission to find that email and that file again. Josh, I need that. Put it in yeah. my hands just to read. Yeah. I just want to read it. Yeah. I'll see if I can. Well, I'm happy you got my script. Yeah. And I'm sad <laughs> you threw it out. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I have a question for both of you before mm-hmm. we go. Um, because this is something that I think about a lot lately. Who do you think of like the newest sort of crop of actors and actresses who could be like our next rom-com leads? I will start with Daniel Kaluuya, because I just think he's so fucking funny and charming and hilarious and also gorgeous. I also want to see Stephen Young do something, anything. Yeah. Maybe. Anything, anything. Riz Ahmed, threw them all in. I want to see them do something. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Florence Pugh. She would be really hilarious, I think. I think Florence is I a good agree. answer. I agree. Yeah. I think keeping in little women, I like her in my period dramas, but I think Saoirse mm-hmm. would be so interesting in just a flat out rom-com because like Brooklyn is a full rom-drom, but mm-hmm. I want, 
I want, she's funny. She's okay. funny. We have seen her be funny. I want to see more of it. Mm-hmm. It's no Timothy, please, for the love of God. No. Sersha, but no Tim. Okay. I think also I would love to see someone like Eliza Scanlon get a role where she doesn't die in a movie or like without some darkness over it. I think she deserves it. And I think that she's such a good actress and she's so young and I would just love to see uh, her wings really take off. I love that. I want one with all of them. Yeah. Perfect. We'll make it. Um, Sadaf, I could, we could talk to you literally for 15 hours. This was not long enough. You have got to come back. Um, Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. It's been the time of my life. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh my God. Well, now, I mean, yes. Yeah. Thank you both. I love you. I've had the best time. You could invite me on every week and I will just talk and talk. Happy to Perfect. Where can people find you if you want to be found? Well, you all already know you can follow me at Canada Horror on Instagram. <laughs> True. Do it. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Sadaf And there you go. Have fun. Enjoy. Perfect. Love it. Thank you, Sadaf, for coming by. This Thank was you. the time Absolutely. of my life. <laughs> Love you. Love you both. Can't wait to see you in real life. Yes. 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 As soon as we can. As soon as we can. Um, Joshua, thank you again. Thank I love you. you both. What an episode. <laughs> Perfect. Well, everyone, have a have a gorgeous day and go watch your favorite rom-com tonight. Mm-hmm.